Good morning, church. I want us to, I would like us to spend our meditation this morning on how to respond as God's children in times of distress. Responding to times of distress as God's children. And for that purpose, I want us to turn to our Bibles, to John chapter 11, the Gospel of John. We'll read, starting to read from verse 1. The Gospel of John chapter 11. Reading from verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. We'll end our reading there. Shall we just pause for a word of prayer? Shall we pray? Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, your word that is able to instruct us, to correct us, to rebuke us, and to train us in the way that we should live. We therefore ask that you might grant us the aid of the Holy Spirit, him the spirit of truth, that he might lead us into the truth that you have us learn this day. And much more we ask that you might grant us the grace not only to, to hear your word, much more to do it, to be obedient to it, that thereby our walk with you might be closer, our walk with you might be pleasing and acceptable in thine holy sight. Bless us each one, O oh Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as I mentioned earlier on, I want us to focus our thoughts or our meditation on the times of distress that will come upon each one of us and how we are to respond as God's chosen people, as God's treasured possession. We are going through a period, uh, what you might call a difficult time. Not only in Zambia, but throughout the world because of the COVID. And many of us who agree with me, 
that this situation has made most of us more prayerful. At least speaking for myself, it is in those times when I've been the most prayerful. When I've sought the Lord to intervene, particularly for those people that are close to me that have been affected or afflicted, particularly by COVID. In those times, many of us have prayed with tears and groanings for God to spare the lives of our loved ones. But in some cases, that has, it has pleased God that he has taken them away from us. They have succumbed to COVID, they have succumbed to cancer or any other disease or ailment. And if we are honest with ourselves, there might have been times when we begin to question God and say, why? Why have you let this person die? Look at the responsibilities. Look at the grief and the pain that has come as a result of that. Sometimes we might begin to think about, question about the fact of why does God allow certain things to happen? Why doesn't God intervene in those situations? Even when we pray, and we pray ceaselessly, and we pray earnestly. And I think when we look at the account of Mary and Martha, we'll begin to appreciate something of what they also, that they also went through a similar thing. We read about the fact that their brother, and the name is given, Lazarus, was sick, was ill. And I hope that as we go through this passage, we'll be able to draw lessons, to draw encouragement on how we are to respond in those times when grief and distress comes upon us. It is sure to come. Each one of us can look back on our lives and be able to look back and see a time when we went through a difficult time. When we were at our wit's end, when we were out of our depths, the Bible talks about the storms of life. The picture is of the sea. That is, as the waves go up and down, tossing us up and about, those times will come if they have not already uh, come. So I want us, as we look at the account of Martha and Mary, particularly to see how we are to respond. So I will, come, I will look at this uh, uh, area in three, under three headings, like a faithful Baptist uh, preacher. Three headings. First, we'll look at the distressful situations, and that will be uh, from verse uh, 1 and 2. And then we'll look at the distressful core in verse 3. And then from verse 4 to verse 6, we'll look at the Lord's response to the distressed core. And then we'll be done. 
As I mentioned earlier on, times of distress, sorrow, and pain will surely come upon us. Someone has said, God had only one son without sin, but never one without sorrow. Jesus was called the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In our, in our passage, if we go back to our passage, we are told about a man named Lazarus, and that he lived in a village called Bethany, which was a, a short distance from Jerusalem. We are told that he lived with his sisters, Mary and Martha. One significant thing that we are told about Lazarus is that he was sick. He lay sick, quite clearly bedridden, on what proved to be his deathbed. We are also told something more about Mary, so that we do not confuse her with the other many Marys that are, that are mentioned in the Bible. If you look at verse 2, he says, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was ill. There are many Marys that are recorded in the Bible. There's Mary Magdalene, there's Mary the mother of James, there's Mary the mother of John. But we are told in this case that it was Mary, it was that Mary that had practically shown her love and devotion to God or to the Lord by anointing him with, with perfume and wiping his feet with her hair. Her love for the Lord was practical. Her love, she put her love for the Lord in action. Now the sisters, we are told, watched, or we deduce from the passage that the sisters watched Lazarus as his condition deteriorated. They no doubt had applied the best medications of their time, but to no avail. They attended to him as he grew more frail, he grew weaker, and uh, as his life ebbed away from his body. Now what we draw, what do we learn from here? Firstly that many, if not all, of God's children will go through times of distress. Many, if not all, of God's children will go through times of distress, even those that are loved by God, even those that are loved by God, those that he is close with, those that he interacts with. If you look, let's turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 8, just to see something of the close association that was there between this family and the Lord. So it was people that he was close with. It was people that he had spent many precious moments with. It was a home, it would appear, the Lord regularly visited. If you look at uh, Luke chapter 10, I'll start reading from verse 38. Now as, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus 
entered the village, and the woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So there we see that these, as we, as we see later on, that these were close friends to the Lord, but they are not immune to going through difficulties, trials, sorrows, and pain. We also have an, a number of examples in the Bible of many of God's children who went through times of distress. Let me pick one example, and that is Jacob the patriarch. If you look at Genesis chapter 42, verse 35 and 36, Genesis chapter 42, verse 35 and 36, the Bible says, As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of, bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And now you take Benjamin. All this has come against me. That was the lament of, the, of Jacob in his old age. All this has come against me. And I'm sure you would agree with me that at those times when we feel the way that Jacob felt. We also have the classic example of Job who went through distress. He lost all his children and all his possessions were taken away uh, from him. We also have examples from the, from the Psalms. Uh, if you look at Psalm 43, verse 5, the psalmist also went through times of distress. Psalm 43, verse 5, we are told, or we read, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for shall, I, for shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. So we see from the scriptures that many of God's children went through times of distress. And this will also happen even to us, even now. There will be times when we are sick and tired. I'm sure you've heard that expression when people are going through difficult times. I'm sick and tired of this or that. Those times will come. We may be sick physically, affected by, afflicted by COVID as many of us were, or cancer or other terminal disease. We may be sick emotionally in terms of broken relationships, either in marriage or before 
if you are coaching and so on. There are many things that can distress us. It might be at work, or it might be uh, with our children, and so on and so forth. Times of distress will come upon us. Now, let me quickly move to the second point. What should be our response when we are faced with distressful situations in our lives? What should be our response when we are faced with distressful situations in our lives? Let's go back to our passage. What did Martha and Mary do? We read in verse 3, So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Lord, he whom you love is ill. The sister sent an urgent and desperate message to the Lord. The situation was clearly getting desperate. They had reached their wit's end, as I mentioned earlier. They had no doubt tried all the means to get their brother well. But they saw Lazarus' condition deteriorate and their hearts were increasingly troubled that they might lose their brother. Perhaps it was, a, it was at the point when he had become too weak to walk or even talk as normally happens when someone is seriously sick. I can imagine that the mood in the house had changed as the cold hand of death grew stronger and stronger. It was at this point that they sent a message to the Lord. But look at the nature of their message. Lord, the one that you love is sick. Not with me first that they addressed him reverently as Lord. They acknowledged Jesus as one who had authority, one who had control, one who had power, even over sickness. And obviously, they had seen and heard of his power to heal because we read in many passages how he went about healing the sick. So they addressed him as Lord. The second thing that we see is that they said, the one that you love, the one that you love. The request was not premised on anything in and of, their, of themselves. It wasn't that the one that loves you, no. The one that you love. It was premised on the everlasting love of God, which does not change. Our love for God can be feeble sometimes. Our love for God can be dismal. You know, that's the word I learned from the last elections. Dismal. <laughs> Particularly in these times of COVID, many people's love for God has went. It has reduced. Many have gotten used to staying at home. And as the elder was exhorting us earlier on that we should not give up the habit of meeting together, there are some 
that are not taking heed to that message. And so if we come to God on the basis of our love for him, it will not be enough. It will not be adequate. So they appealed to the Lord on the basis of his great love, on the basis of the love that never changes. It never changes. It's not dependent on the circumstances or the situations. I know sometimes when you're going through uh, a, a difficult time or times, you be, uh, those times when you begin to think as if God has forgotten about you. No, his love is unchanging. And you can appeal to him at any and every time on the basis of that love. Even in, that, in those times when we have strayed away from God, his love never changes. So we are to appeal to God based on that, on his love for us. You can appeal to God in the same way when you go through difficult. The one that you love is sick. The one that you love is sick. Another way that I learned is Aka. The one that you love, Aka me, is sick. As we come to God, we can appeal to him because he, has, he, he loves us and therefore he can respond to us. The, mess, the other, not the, the third part of their the message, he is, is sick. Lazarus is sick. The one that the Lord loved, it looks, it sounds like a paradox, isn't it? The one that the, the Lord loves is sick. How can it be? The sisters make no request or make, they do not make any demand on the Lord or ask him to do anything. They simply make him aware of their need, knowing that he knows best, knowing that he loves and cares, knowing that he will be able to respond appropriately to their situation. They do not send a message that heal him or speak the word from where you are and you'll be healed. No, they just simply lay the need before God. And the message was not long. It was short and to the point. <clears throat> I was reminded of the hymn that we sing, The Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I, I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me Savior, or I die. They laid their need before the Lord. We have many examples in the scriptures of many that called upon the Lord in their times of distress, as we see in the case of Mary and, and Martha. We read in Second uh, Samuel chapter 22, verse 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord, Yes, I cried out to my God, and from his temple he heard my cry. 
for he heard my voice and my cry for help came into his ears. The psalmist in uh, Psalm 118 verse 8 says, From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. What do we learn from here? We learn that we must keep the faith. We must keep the faith even in times of deep distress. We must not be like Job's wife. We must call upon the Lord in those times of sickness. Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. We should not seek worldly solutions to to life's problems. We heard last Sunday from the preaching that we should not rely on the arm of flesh. We should not rely on our natural power and strength. We should call upon God. We should send a message in prayer, seeking God's face, pleading with him that he might come to our rescue. Let me go to the third point. What was the Lord's response? And that, that's what we see in verse 4 to verse 6. Let's just uh, read uh, that passage again. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Jesus... So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. We see here that the response from the Lord may not be immediate. It may actually be delayed. And that for a more eternal purpose. And that is for his own glory. So, beloved, let us remember that when we come before God, the response may not be immediate. It might even be delayed. It may not even be according to what we have asked. But all that happens for a more eternal, uh, eternal purpose, and that is from, for his glory. Notice with me the Lord's response. He said, the sickness will not end in death. The sickness will not end in death. Here we see a, the Lord who knows the end from the beginning. And he knows it because he's the one who has planned it. It is according to his own purpose and will. He directs everything according to his own eternal purposes and plan. And this is a message that went to the sisters, that the sickness will not end in death. So I was just imagining that when Lazarus died, they could have been disappointed because they did not fully appreciate what the Lord was saying.
We also see in our passage that the Lord was going to be glorified through this sickness. God was going to be glorified through the sickness of Lazarus. Notice with me verse 4 again. This illness illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We We see later on as we read the whole account that God was glorified in the faith of Mary and Martha. Their faith in God was strengthened as they saw the power of God at work later, as, later on as they, the Lord raised Lazarus from the dead. So what happened here fulfilled God's purposes and that was for his own glory. We also see that God was glorified in the, as we see the humanity of Christ. We are told in verse 35, one of the most famous verses, he wept. We see something of his compassion. He was, we are told in verse 34 and 35. Maybe let's uh, read that passage. Just, uh, okay, let's start with verse 27. Uh, John chapter 11, verse 27. She said to him, that is Martha, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. Verse 34 and 35. And he said, Where have you led him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Let's read verse 33 as well. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. So there we see the humanity of Christ, how he was moved with compassion, how he was deeply troubled, and he wept for his dear friend who had died. We are also told that the many Jews who had come with Mary and had seen what had happened, believed in Jesus believed in Jesus. So God was glorified as many more people turned away from their sin and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, Mary and Martha were not to know about God's purposes. And in, those, in, in, in the times of distress and grief, they would not have known what God's plan was. God's plans are not our plans. We are further told that the Lord did not respond immediately 
to the core. But we are told that he stayed two more days. He did not say, let us rush and see Lazarus before he dies. No, he waited two more days. Would have expected that he would immediately leave what he was doing and go to Lazarus. But we also noticed that this delay was intentional. It was, for a great, it was for a greater good, and that's God's glory. Notice with me verse 5 as well, where we are told that now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. As I alluded to earlier on, these were the beloved of the Lord. Yet they were going through suffering pain and distress. Lazarus, whom the Lord loved, lay sick, dying, as the sisters looked on helplessly. Lazarus eventually died. But that does not show in any way that God did not love him. Because we are told clearly that he was loved of the Lord. Lazarus, whom the Lord loved, was allowed to be sick, to be in pain, to be weak, to languish on his sick bed, and eventually to die. My encouragement, dear friends, is the fact that this can happen to us. And in those times, let us not doubt the love of God. God loves us with an everlasting love. Sickness and suffering is not necessarily a sign that God is displeased with us or that he does not love us. To the contrary, God will test our faith, will try our faith, like in the case of Job, so that we might come out refined, that we might come out better Christians. In the words of the Apostle Paul, that will be able to comfort others who might be going through a similar situation that you have gone through. We see in John chapter 9 and verse 1 to 3, just to emphasize the fact that God does things for his own purpose and pleasure. Uh, John chapter 9 verse, uh, 9 verse 1 to 3 where the Bible say, reads as he passed by he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents or his parents, but, the, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So our suffering and pain might not necessarily be because we have sinned, but obviously there are times when suffering might be because we have sinned against God. There are those times, but in this case, my focus is on those times when things are done by God to achieve his own eternal purposes. Now, many of us have been sick or had someone who has been taken ill 
And as I mentioned earlier on, it is in those times when we, we are the most prayerful. So in a sense, the trial, the suffering, achieves the purpose of drawing us closer to God. Wealth, by, wealth and comfort by nature, in a sense, draws us away from, from God. We begin to enjoy ourselves. We go on vacations when we are supposed to be at a conference, for example, and so on and so forth. But when the Lord brings upon us some kind of affliction, it actually, it, it actually draws us, in a sense, back to where we are supposed to be. In Psalm 67, verse 17, Psalm 67, verse 17, the, uh, the psalmist deals with what may seem to be God not answering or delaying his response. Psalm 69, verse 17 says, Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. There are times when we might feel that God is delaying in answering our prayers. And it's something that the psalmist testifies to. There are times when he felt as if God was not hasty enough to answer. And many of us have gone through that same experience. Particularly when someone very close to you is sick. You want urgent response. You want that person to be healed. One thing that, I've, uh, uh, that I have observed is that in a hospital, minutes count. Every minute counts. And anything can happen. I mean, it's not like when you're at work. So you say, ah, it's already lunchtime. You don't even know how the hour has gone. Particularly in the night when someone is seriously sick, you are counting the minutes. And it's in those times when you are pleading with God to respond to your prayer. It's not those times when you begin to feel as if God has abandoned or is not listening. But as I mentioned earlier on, the delay is not because God does not love us. That is that he does not care. It is a sign, it's still a sign of his love. The delay will help us ultimately. It will make us stronger in the faith, and his name will be glorified as people around us see his faith at work in us, as we stand strong and firm in the midst of distress. Charles Hedon Spurgeon, the famous preacher, London preacher, said, the love of Christ does not separate us from the common necessities and infirmities of life. Men of God are still men. Men of God are still men.
Let me go on to conclude by first addressing those that are not Christians, those that are strangers to the love and friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I beseech you, call upon him and you he heal the sickness of your sin. He will cleanse you and heal you. Come to him that your sins may be forgiven and his love will be bestowed upon you. Come so that you may be counted amongst those that he loves. That you may be counted amongst those that he loves. Let me end with a quotation uh, from Hebrews chapter 4 verse uh, 14 where it says, where the Bible reads from verse 14, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession or our profession of faith. For we do not have a high priest who's an, an, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us hold fast to our faith without wavering, even in times of distress. May our faith never waver. May our faith never waver. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the preaching of his word.